0: (laughs) Um, But uh, incredibly grateful to be here at the Vermont Studio Center and having had a chance to meet and speak to many of you, um, it's a a real delight to be able to share work uh, this week certainly to have an opportunity to be acquainted with some of your work as well. Um, and uh, it's really wonderful certainly to see Ozzy again t- and certainly to see other dear friends, Karen and Cliff, who've come out. and um, I'm just really looking forward to, uh, to spending the week with you all and being in this space and, um, and really just being inspired by your own work. I mean, it's, um, uh, it's wonderful to be able to kind of sh- share my own work but also there is a there is this wonderful two-way street that happens I think with writing and with art uh, visual art and otherwise um, that we kind of we we end up I think feeding off of one another and I think that's a really beautiful thing um, so thank you all for being here and uh, I'm certainly hoping uh, and wishing you all the best with your writing let me get my timer going <clears throat> and I'll largely be reading from previously owned this evening. Um, a book that I'm, I'm really uh, quite, quite happy uh, with and proud of. Uh, I'm gonna start this evening um, with, I think this might move a little bit, I'm gonna start this evening with a poem uh, entitled The, entitled the Ferry, um, and that's the ferry fairy, uh, as in the boat. Um, largely, I've been thinking a lot about it, just because my wife and, and I, and my, and my wife, sends her apologies, our, my daughter uh, really needed a nap, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and would not take no for an answer. So, um, but you'll, you'll certainly see the two of them around, but we've recently come off of uh, some, a pretty long stint of travel, and, uh, and then certainly doing a bit more travel in the very near future, so thinking a lot about this particular poem. Um, and uh, for many of you I know having just arrived here as well I'm sure there is an maybe an element of this that certainly resonates the ferry I still had a lover maybe let's start there I hitched a ride to Boston where I missed the ferry by what seemed like minutes but time can work that way in the mind I was in love or wanted to be in love, and there was distance everywhere is maybe a better way to put it. Though, what exactly was it? I hadn't given it a designation. I looked for the boat. It wasn't there, only the dock, a few seagulls, a blue distance. If I was supposed to wave goodbye, I missed my chance. Though, what did I care? so in love with solitude at least i was at the time it seemed easy being lonely watching time lapse that boat long dispatched i'd missed it yet there i was waving like a fool in love perhaps at what i couldn't tell i wasn't there when the ferry left remember i missed it or they went on without me. The distance made it hard to see clearly where distance ended, or if it did. Or I didn't make it in time to see. Maybe time was against me. I missed the ferry. I had no money. The ferryman said it was fine and smiled at me. Smiled. There was the shore and me wanting to be in love, though I wasn't. I carried what I could. Love? I didn't have room for it. In the distance, I swore my solitude waved. I missed it where I was headed, sure, but there was hardly time for that. The boat was early. I boarded it and stood on the stern. Part of me was missing but there had to be a cost. That part I missed. My mind a rough sea I might have loved watching lap were I not so incited. My mind the fish too, the shore distant as the voice I thought I heard in it as time itself. The ferry was late. I was there hoping I missed it. I didn't trust the distance lovely as it seemed. I didn't trust time, nor where it carried me. I knew what was there. Midlife Obad. There's a certain comfort in knowing a bridge has stood almost forever. There, long before the dawn's first foghorn blast, like one beast lowing to another. And before each ship, I could describe now with painstaking precision that will glide slowly underneath. Steel, suspension wire, something in my life should compare to these. Once there was a bridge whose name I never learned, under which a small stream shimmered, the way a pond sometimes shimmers, for a moment when a child flips a coin into it. Tiny fish swam there, but the water was like smoke. I thought nothing should have to live like this. As many of you uh, may have known or may know by now, I live in Massachusetts um, and uh, one of the confessions that I have to make uh, in my life and development as a poet is that I used to give, um, I used to give a lot of poets who had a bunch of like walking around in their books shit for, (laughs) I was just like, I was like, who has time to just walk around all the time? (laughs) and then write poems about walking around. (laughs) So I just wanna warn you if you decide to get this book that there's a lot of walking around. (laughs) I have joined the league of poets on the trail. (laughs) All that to say, this is a walking around poem. (laughs) Entitled What You Call It. And also, farmers markets, what? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Not my usual route to the market, past the railroad tracks, then past Grace Episcopal Church, its courtyard empty, no men clasping hands as though agreeing, finally, to the difficult terms of some treaty. So I would not have known It was a peach tree unless the person who planted it or someone on the street told me which is not to say its fruit didn't look peach like it did rather i didn't read it as such didn't know what i was seeing really from where i stood its fruit perfect and young and heavy at least heavy enough to bow the branches, though hardly ready yet to eat. Ripe, one might say, which, true, is more precise, precision, a thing of value. Not that the fruit cares what you call it, or stands for anything other than what time can make of some small human intervention. It's no piece of literature, The peach was simply a peach, and there for the taking, which is often said of an object that has gone unwatched for too long, susceptible to trespass, which happens first in the mind, and happened first because of fruit, or so says the good book if you believe in such things. Knowledge which a poet once called historical to a trespassing of sorts, the proof of which perhaps best shown in how one might punish a slave who had been taught to read the word beauty or toil or rest secretly and by firelight. There are things nearly impossible to forget, having so trespassed having badly needed to see up close this tree fixed in place, its fruit dangling there within reach, though not the same as being offered. Tenderness, I have learned, is only one test of whether some fruit has fully ripened. You press the flesh right here. But for me, That would mean crossing half the yard, the way a paper boat might be pushed by wind across a pond. At the center of this collection of poems um, is a kind of meditation or rumination on uh, the criminal justice system. Um, there is a sequence, a 13 poem sequence, all of which have the title, they said I was an alternate, that in some way get at uh, my experience of serving as an alternate juror in uh, in an attempted murder case uh, in New York, in, in Brooklyn, uh, back in 2018. Um, if you've never been an alternate juror, Um, it's really sort of like odd experience of having to participate in all of the regular process of the trial listening to the testimony uh, seeing all of the evidence but when it comes time to deliberate you are placed in a different space altogether and not able to be part of the process of administering justice Um, so this uh, the sequence of poems sort of gets at that um, and there are a couple other poems that are kind of sprinkled in with that section. I'm going to start with one of those. Uh, this poem is, in, uh, is entitled, The Sentence, um, and it betrays all the things that uh, are challenging about teaching young people as well. Yeah, The, the more, I think the, the older I get, the more my poems are just going to be grammar lessons for my students. <laughs> um. <laughs> grammar and syntax, that's all it's going to be. The Sentence. The sentence begins with its subject, which is the sentence. Track the sentence to find out what happens or how it will act. It is the subject, after all. To track, meaning keep an eye on, which is synecdoche, part representing the whole of a thing. One may track a package, if he pleases. One may track a person, though you'd probably want the whole of him, not only an I, or perhaps only an I. Look how the sentence is so capable of embracing contraction. A hymn may function as a subject, but that depends upon the sentence, i.e., a man is subject to his sentence. You understand. Such syntax renders it like a package, having, showing evidence of having been tampered with. They said I was an alternate Said the case was in the bag. He was black. There was a gun. A no-brainer. He was black, they said. Doesn't it add up if you think of our children? Our children. Open and shut, they said. Or gun plus black equals him. They said, no question. Do the math, dummy. They said, think. They said, oh, never mind said the case was in the bag open and shut they said he was black there was a gun or gun plus black equals him a no-brainer they said no question he was black they said do the math dummy doesn't it add up if you think they said think of our children our children they said oh never mind And I'm giving myself away, but just in case there are are other folks out there who are tabletop role-playing game nerds, this is for you. (laughs) They said I was an alternate, but that's all behind me now. Today, I'm around the table with friends, finally Dungeons and Dragons' Night, building a character for a campaign that will likely kill me. (laughs) I hardly talk about the old days anymore. The DM asks my name, my backstory, my flaw, which I have left to either fate or chance. What's the difference? In the end, what damage there is, is largely psychic, is all in the mind, which is not to say imaginary even in role play and i for one play by the book i roll the dice i take what i get they said i was an alternate but before that what do you like to do with your free time And one of us said, long walks with her dog around the park. And another said, kick it with the homies on the block. And I might have said, cook or write or something dumb like that, though the judge didn't judge. And another juror would only answer in private. One said he liked to read a good book, though what one considers good is arguable and sure the question seemed odd but it took our minds off the past a while which we all had to answer for or to one said take a warm bath one whispered are we ever going home this next poem is entitled the The flowers The flowers in the greenhouse, now flowers in the supermarket, rubber-bound, clipped from wherever they seemed almost to nod their agreement with what the breeze once said. Now flowers in some glass vase on the dining room table where no one eats. What race they are doesn't matter, nor if their stems are thorny, you see, they're just flowers. They die. You walk by them all the time, hardly thinking twice about their names. So, a few more poems this evening. This next poem is entitled uh, entitled The World is Full. I saw the wolf outside the window, in the backyard, near the park bench, nearly stripped of all its paint. Or I thought it was a wolf I saw, insomuch as I even called Wolf, wolf, through every room of the farmhouse, it was quite the spectacle. False alarm, one might say, as if explanation were a kind of comfort. I was not comforted. My panic startled me, the way one can be startled by something he's read in a book he's forgotten he owns, that he can't, in the slightest remember buying while thumbing over the other spines. All those titles huddled together there on the shelves. Out of nowhere, we say in these cases. Where did this come from? How had I missed this? The wolf seemed to come out of nowhere. Or maybe from a book I remember read to me as a child some cautionary tale a window capable of being looked in seen through if you were brave it was not a wolf outside the window it was a coyote but with the wolf's bulk its metallic flash of fur its appetite i admit i was afraid not for myself but for the chickens I looked out the window because the chickens clucked so madly like children at a school running amok. The hens flapped at the glass. The chicks instinctively slipped out of sight into the taller wet grass. No, it was not a wolf. Of course I knew the difference. I had been a boy, been small enough to be clenched in a wolf's jaw, though I never was. I was safe. I wanted to save them, but the commercial in the background insisted the window for savings was closing fast, then faded to black as they do when they're done. The wolf scattered them the way feathers can be scattered, torn from the body or the way children are drilled, even in grade school, to scatter. Shh. We've prepared for this now. I called Wolf. I clapped at the glass, which, I've been told, makes a difference. And I wanted things to be different. To the chickens, it must have looked as if I took delight in their predicament. And who would tell them otherwise? The world is full of suffering, it's true. Why not delight in that it's yours, not mine, for once? The coyote slunk away, or the wolf did, something dead, I thought, between its teeth. I was afraid, though I went out to look for what was missing. Ten chickens, two chicks, I counted them, like I tally, all loss, scattered the way one might scatter bird seed in the yard, or how one might scatter a child's ashes to the ocean's indifference. I've been a boy, lost among the woods as in some fable, or maybe not lost, just the shade of tree bark, not a wolf, though to the chickens the distinction hardly matters. Here, Chicky, Chicky. No one had bothered to name them. To name them, we believed, would make them harder to kill and eat, but how wrong we were. I believed I could save them, or that saving them meant I loved them, that my love was good for something. And then I'm gonna close uh, this evening or the, the reading portion of this evening um, with the poem that opens the collection, um, which is also um, an ekphrastic poem. It's taking its, uh, its cue uh, from an art piece. This is entitled, Boy Pulling a Thorn from His Foot. And thank you all very much for your attention and for your time. Small enough to cradle, caught in the act of concentration, you see it, chiseled there. His bronze body curled into a question mark, not pulling, rather about to pull the thorn finally out. Nothing original here. Nothing new. Marble, quartz. The old masters have for ages now sculpted this scene. You've seen it. You've, and here you are, looking. Again, the little boy. Again, his insistent grief. So what? Some exhibits in the museum have already gone dark. So what? Others have moved on to new rooms, left you comfortless with your notepad and pen. And what have you learned from standing here so long, examining pain, no matter how ancient? What good has it done you The thorn, thrumming still, he almost has it now, so close. Step back, the guard warns, his one job to enforce the distance necessary, which might be called perspective, though not yet. Thank you all very much.